0: Welcome to Documentation Not Included, a tech industry podcast presented by DNI Stream, the live knowledge repository for software professionals. I'm getting better at saying that. It's Thursday at 7 p.m. British time. We are live on twitch.tv slash DNI Stream. I'm Josie Howarth. I am absolutely burning up. I don't know where the temperature has gone so high. But as always, I am joined by the man who has epic posters, amazing t shirts, and a beard that just won't quit. Hi Chris!
1: Hello Josie and hello to everybody in chat. Thank you very much for watching and listening. There's already a few uh, people having a chat in chat so thank you for that. Um, Your comments are always welcome. It is a live show so please do get involved if you have anything to say. You've got any questions for our guest or just comments in general. Always welcome, always welcome. So before we get going let me introduce our guest uh, Parul Singh. You have an opportunity now to introduce yourself, tell everybody what you do and why you're here.
2: Hello everyone, I am a first time live streamer, so thank you so much to Jason and Chris for pulling me this far out of my comfort zone um but I'm I'm really really honored to be on this podcast so thank you for for inviting me on and um, so I am a software development recruitment consultant at Manhattan Partners I'm also a mental health ambassador for the company it's an area that I am incredibly incredibly passionate about so I'm really excited to come on and talk to you a little bit you know about my experience um I work in recruitment it's very KPI driven it's a really really tough job to do it's good money if you if you do it well but you know if it was that easy then I guess not everybody will do it so I think a lot of people it does lead to burnout and um, so hopefully it's something that you know few people can actually relate to as well as it does apply to other industries so Thanks for having me on. Oh, as you probably oh, guessed by yeah. the accent as well, I am from lovely Liverpool, so up the Reds. It's where I am at the moment. So that <laughs> might that might rubble a few feathers. I don't know I what might-
1: that means. No idea. I've got to follow The funny thing so. is, Chris <laughs> and
0: I, when it comes to football, we're just like... That, that that's a thing that involves some kind of inflatable object right that's like sort of oblong or is that rugby yeah no, that's I mean, rugby we'll hell. yeah we, <laughs> ha- we have no clue
1: isn't there a bat but involved isn't... or something yeah, hit. a
0: bat is, is it <laughs> no, a flat okay. bat or is it a round bat <laughs> but yeah that, that's chris and i i think it's about interesting. But before we go too far into our topic, we are going to do an icebreaker. This is our chance to ask something exceptionally random that has nothing to do with coding, (laughs) development, or even our topic. And the entire purpose of this is to have a bit of fun. So I have a little thought experiment for both of you. Mm. This question has many answers. None of them right. None of them wrong. Is cereal soup? Yes. Guests on Or no. Is cereal soup? And I want to hear from you guys in chat as well. Do you think cereal is soup?
1: And there's no weird Americanism going on here, because Josie's very guilty of bringing out (laughs) weird American words that mean different, like biscuit.
0: No biscuit is a chocolate covered digestive as but, well. Uh, as you I'm call concerned.
1: them cookies in America, and then there's scones, which you oh. call biscuits, which are just wrong. But anyway, going no, off track.
2: Scones with gravy—that's wrong. That's wrong on so many levels. It's scones
0: are not biscuits from America, but that's a different <laughs> topic. Soup <laughs> or not?
2: Super not cereal. Super not.
1: Go on parole, quick, quick oh. answer.
2: I, I think no, only because it's sweet, and also the components are always kept separate. That's
1: not that's not a good when enough reason because it's ever, sweet.
2: When do you ever like assemble a normal soup? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, you.
1: Well, I we make our own soup at home. We, we assemble it, but no, a soup <laughs> you can't you, you can't say that soup has to be hot because gazpacho soup is is cold. You can't say mm-hmm. that soup. I mean, soup generally to me is savory, and a cereal yeah. is more often than not it's sweet yeah most cereals not all but most cereals are so maybe mm. shredded wheat without any sugar on it is a soup
2: yeah okay with croutons interesting something in it, and you're good to go Actually, <laughs> well,
0: see, for me the only reason why i say it can't be soup is because the idea of a grilled cheese sandwich with cereal sounds weird to me and you know a grilled cheese sandwich with vegetable soup tomato soup or something else like that it makes
1: oh. sense and a, a vals- vals- but there writing, are
0: fruit vals in chat soup. has just
1: said soup assembly required assembly required
0: in use of codes so cereal doesn't come in a can so it can't be soup it can come in a can it depends on where you live <sighs> but yes that's oh, our no. icebreaker for today we're now more learned than we were before what about
1: you then Josie? you didn't answer that what do you think
0: I said cereal is cereal. It cannot okay. be soup because you can't have a grilled cheese sandwich in cereal. There's nothing it's
1: saying just... you can't. There's no rules saying you can't.
0: Oh, no, you can. But for me, it just doesn't sound appetizing no. at all. No. Okay. And I'm the kind of person who likes to have my peanut butter and chocolate and mix up things like, you know, a, a milkshake, a chocolate milkshake with really salty fries. Oh, so, yeah.
1: Nice.
2: I, I get that mackey's vanilla milkshake with i guess you don't really call it mackey's in america though do you i don't Mackie even d's.
0: know what a mac i hear about mackey's and everyone says i should go to a mackey's but i don't even know McDonald's.
1: what it is
0: what oh it's mcdonald mackey d's <laughs> i've been here since 2003 no, and i have never heard mcdonald's <laughs> referred to as mackey's actually i take that back i heard it from oh. one other person and it was in Final Fantasy, the MMO. Someone in one of my crafting circles mentioned. I had no idea what they were talking about, but there we go. Anyway, back on topic, so, yes, Chris. Yes, onto
1: the onto the more serious topic of uh, high pressure burnout. In uh, oh, sorry, yeah, high pressure burnout. So we've all experienced burnout in at some point in our lives. Most of us have. I've experienced it in a few different areas. You know, when I was doing my game dev, I experienced burnout, but that wasn't particularly high pressure. It's just that I was doing too much work. Um, but fewer people experience it in high pressure situations. I mean I've worked in some high pressure jobs but I don't think I've ever burned out from it. So let's start with a a question which is what do we mean by burnout? So Parole, I'll let you go away with it.
2: I think there's, there's two parts to burnout and I think people often experience it in in different ways and what I would describe as my burnout is constant amounts of of stress and exhaustion to the point where you you know when you've taken it too far you're like I am at a breaking point now you feel it on a physical level and you feel it on a mental level your brain stops working you like physically I just couldn't move out of bed I just felt like completely broken I was just crying all the time and I'm like I'm not I'm not generally like a sensitive person so like I kind of I knew something was wrong I'm usually quite and in in the recruitment job you've got to learn to be like quite a quite a tough cookie so I knew that I'd actually got to I got to that point so that's probably the long and short and I think it just it varies for everybody but that will be the main things you so get you, very you get very snappy you know you can't concentrate and I think, you can it, it not enough. I think it
1: manifests differently for everybody really I think yeah. you know I, mean, mm. I, I I think the snappiness is probably a repercussion of the of the burnout yeah. of the stress. I think it's the anxiety and the stress that it causes that's the yeah. um, the key the key thing. And and people get there in different ways as well.
0: Yeah, I know. for me, when I went through a burnout, I stopped sleeping because I couldn't focus. I couldn't stop this. Now, my brain in general is one that never stops anyway. So adding in additional. Uh, multi-threaded processes that are literally stopping the buffer in my brain and filling it and making it impossible to actually come to a decision or a consensus or something like that. That's when I know I've reached that point. But for me, I stop sleeping. I start obsessing about the tiniest things involving the work that was involved in that, um, and it, it's it's when I ended up being unable to make choices or definitive decisions. And every time I'm like, you know, I just need to do this. My brain went, yeah, but. Now, I know as someone who runs my company, risk assessment is a natural part of everything we do, whether we're taking on a new client or we're working on a particular project or making a business decision about a product that we're suggesting or doing whatever we're doing. So risk assessment is something I'm really used to. So when I reach that point where decisions, what decisions? There are no decisions. I can make a decision because if I make a decision, then I've like... It is, for lack of a better term, manic without being manic or following along the manic oppressive cycle or something like that. It was just this constant barrage. And sleep just didn't exist for me. And then I got really, really, really tired. And then everything starts falling behind because you can't make decisions. So because you can't make decisions, projects become longer and procrastinatory. I don't think mm-hmm. that's the word, but I'm making one up and we're going to go with it. Procrastinatory.
1: <laughs> I think, again, I've, I've had it manifest um, like stress and and burnout from situations, um, from work situations at least. I've had it manifest physically as well. I've had rashes. Oh. You know, I've had my eyes have gone all um, yes. red and, and blotchy and rashy. And I've never had that. I don't have skin problems or anything like that, but it just yeah. it happened. And it was as soon as I left that job, uh, which was it had very unrealistic expectations, and I knew that at the time, but I was too inexperienced to really recognize it. If you know what I mean, um, I, as soon as I left the job, you know, after a little bit of healing and and rest, the, those kind of issues went away. I've had I've had the same, you know, myself, um, just from not necessarily being overworked or being uh, uh, being in a high pressure situation, but not really knowing what's coming up um parole will be aware of this and certainly you will be Josie from uh from our previous discussions the ir35 thing i don't yeah. want to go into it into the detail but that has especially because i've spent so much time on linkedin reading posts and and spending a lot of time around it the uncertainty surrounding that a few months ago i was losing i i just lo- I couldn't sleep at all and i have never ever experienced lack of sleep in my life before and mm. That, that's stress, though, but we're talking about burnout that causes yes. the stress. And I don't yeah. think – maybe social media burned me out there. I don't know. Maybe that's that's what it was.
2: I think there's I... – different, yeah. No, go, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that there's different sorts of, like, levels to it, isn't there? So I think the, the burnout is the point where you're like – Something is dramatically wrong here. And this is what I wanted to talk about is that how can you identify that before you get to that point? Because for me, I it led to me going to the doctors finally being diagnosed with depression that I probably actually had for a while before. And I I lost a lot of weight. I lost a lot of weight, which I've managed to put back on. Thank you, lockdown and (laughs) many items. But like that, like that's really bad. You know, I couldn't I couldn't eat. I couldn't eat love food. I think something
0: right. that uh, should definitely be addressed is when it comes to doing any kind of work in today's environment, especially in work where the stuff that we do is almost 24-7. You mm-hmm. know, I, I watch servers and if uh, something happens to a server at 3 a.m., I'm up dealing with it. Regardless of whether I have a meeting at 7 a.m. the next day, like the, there is something to be had for the 24-7 environments we live in. But we also have this sort of weird, unrealistic... um threshold of what's expected by us, by people who don't understand what it takes to do our jobs, whether we're in development or in the IT world. Um, Unfortunately, or fortunately, you know, the people who run companies, uh, or I'm talking like the bigger companies where you have your CFOs and your CTOs and your CEOs and things like that, and your different department heads, etc. A lot of them don't understand what it takes to do the jobs at the lower levels. So the people who are on, say, the network teams or the security teams or the, the development teams or the testing teams or things like that. And then they will set expectations for output of some kind. And even, I think, unfortunately, in schools, you're kind of taught this as well. You're supposed to embrace these almost unrealistic goals that you have to have reviewed with your manager every year to make certain you're following the actual rules that have been set by the company. Now, I'm talking about the people who actually work in the environments. Now, you and I, Chris, if I have to sit down and have a one on one with my boss, I'm having a sit down with myself. Or my husband, who's the director of the last of time someone well, tried but...
1: to sit me down and have a one-on-one with me <laughs> in that situation, they got a mouthful. Put it that way, because I, I, at the end of the day, I'm independent and I have been for a long time. But uh, getting off, I'm getting my, off topic again with that. <laughs>
0: my my point is, though, there is this sort of almost belief that we have to be constantly moving, that well, we have to be constantly going after the next goal, and chasing that we a career. have to. We ha- Exactly. That we have to be doing that in meeting these really unrealistic things. And when people s- don't get a chance to stop and breathe, I think it starts to build up. And I know so many people, unfortunately, who don't see the warning signs. Um, unfortunately, I'm very aware of an individual who self-medicates through drinking. And they don't realize that that's happening. Um, a lot of companies don't seem to have a good understanding of mental health, although hats off to John's, St. John's Ambulance and things like that. And people who are going for their um, mental health first aid, which is yeah. actually a thing now. Matt yeah. props! my husband's going after that. I love him <laughs> for too. it. But right. the, the need to have a, an awareness of people not just accomplishing whatever goals are set by the project or the company, but the people themselves need to be seen as individuals and guided and protected. Yeah. So I think it's important to at least acknowledge that we live in some cases an incredibly fast-driving, yeah. no-stop, pedal-to-the-metal companies.
1: I just accidentally played something I didn't mean to play, but I was going to play it anyway, so let's uh, jump in with this. Uh, Yusuf Kords, uh has just said, uh, not getting a chance to breathe, it's something that he thinks a lot of people can relate to, himself included. Absolutely. A lot of the time, the expectation on you is, is or, or even the expectations you set yourself. Yeah. Because yeah. we we can do that as well. Josie and I, who work for ourselves, can mm-hmm. overload ourselves with work. I have to very carefully manage my input so I can give the best output to my clients and manage yeah. those clients in a you know in a in a sensible manner. You know.
2: Yeah, I think it's so true. I think that comes down to it's actually such a small thing that I wanted to talk about, which has changed drastically for me since I moved jobs. That's holiday and six days. So at my previous place of work, so again, still recruitment. Um, I was working, I got in the office 7:45. I'd leave earliest at six within almost an hour of travel each way. Really long days, and it would tend to be longer. I got excluding the days that they made you take days over christmas and bank holidays 17 days of the year that i could choose to take off they you made know? you
1: take off manda- as mandatory
2: yeah so it was 20 plus bank holidays but three of those you had to take over christmas wow so that was that was really hard and even like this six days were only kind of like five six days in the year i have a chronic condition which I have to go to a hospital for every three months and I ended up having to take that as like unpaid leave so I was was missing out on a on a day's pay for that SSP is
0: another thing that can be a pain because it's this guillotine that is held over people but whole nother topic sorry but
2: then like it doesn't it doesn't have to be that way and I think people who work in like high pressure environments like recruitment I think not not saying that's nothing to like my previous company but because a lot of companies are like that but the one the one I work for now Manhattan Partners I've got I've got unlimited holiday days I no longer have to count down every time and figuring out what I've got left for the year and like oh, okay if I take four days off a holiday here and then none of that I take it off when I need it and uh-huh. I don't have to worry about sick days is that I'm too depressed to move today but I don't know what to say that doesn't happen anymore
0: We have, uh, there's a company I'm aware of uh, that is for the people who are in IT and things like that. Uh, One of the companies offers something that's known as pillow days. And pillow days, you get a a certain amount of them because they don't want you to exploit them, mind you. But pillow day literally is, you've woken up, you look at your pillow and you decide, nah mate not today that's more that's more
1: interesting than work today (laughs)
0: yeah exactly at which point in time you can just text and say you know i'm taking a pillow day yeah no questions asked and you're not meant to say i'm taking the day because uh uh you know i didn't sleep my neighbor did a thing it's a mental health thing like you don't need to say anything it's just you know
1: that sets a precedent doesn't it with the with your employees or your team members to to so they they don't feel pressured to have to tell you and give you excuses or even make excuses up. You know, I'm not saying that people do that all the time, but some people sometimes do. Do you know how much easier
0: it is to say to your boss, hey, man, I had a really dodgy curry compared to, yo, man, I'm having suicidal tendencies. Yeah. It is
2: so much easier. If you're in
1: that situation, you can't say that out loud. No. You you cannot say that. And that's the thing about anxiety, uh, uh, about, you know, if if you I mean I don't know, I've never experienced that, but I know people close to me who have, and it's difficult for them to even admit it to themselves, let alone admit it to other people and say it out loud. It's not just yeah. that though, it's not just you know, suicidal tendency. It's anything,
0: Any, anything to do
1: with in the whole mental landscape. It's mental health landscape. It's it's difficult for people to approach. You know, all these posts that you see that go out on Facebook. And um, I was doing a, a press up challenge on Facebook because I'm a show off. Um, and it was about anxiety and and mental health and and yeah. depression aw- awareness. The very bottom of the post that you had to cop- that you copied and paste was, and I didn't realise this until about day six or something, um, was uh, reach out. And it's like that. It that they can't do that. That's the problem. They can't yeah. reach out, or they can, some of them, some people can, but they, I, it's difficult to it, do that. And you need to I reach think out to them.
0: I think that this is one of the hardest parts of anything to deal with mental health. If you are a carer for someone who has mental health of any variety, or you are yourself working with someone who has things like that the most difficult thing is how do you make it so that someone who is going through something feels they can reach out. And honestly, there is no easy answer because everybody I know goes through the different spectrums of anything from schizophrenia to BPD to like depression. Like it, it is way too varied. We can't just turn around and say, here's how you do things. But one of the biggest things that I've seen happen in this country that has changed over the years since i've been here is an acceptance of the fact that mental health is something that should be discussed and not criticized or derided or um literally looked down upon and it's weird because i've had to watch that happen whereas where i came from when i before i moved over even back in the early 2000s in the united yeah. states mental health was Everybody knew about mental health. And, you know, granted, it was joked about and made fun of in a lot of ways. And, you know, in my the, weekly therapy appointment, blah, blah, blah. there's blah. a therapy
1: culture, though, isn't there, the American? There, there, are, there has there, been for a long yeah, time.
0: Therapy. There is. For better or for worse, there <laughs> has been one. But it's a lot easier in the United States to turn around and say, yo, man, I'm depressed, compared to when I first moved here. And the different mental health teams that they have in this environment or in this country have changed over yeah. the years um so it's not as much as a stigma so for people who are you know who may have people or employees working underneath them who fall under some form of mental health um you know it's how are you supposed to make it so that there is a comfort level and honestly it's hard yeah it's really it's- hard
1: copper beardy in uh, in chat has just said he's uh and he's it's You know, he talks about this on his stream. He does uh, dev streams himself. He's had anxiety and depression for 22 years, down to the most darkest points of it. And he always tries to tell people that there's nothing to be ashamed of. I
2: completely agree. It is nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing. It's not a weakness. It's it's, it's so hard to, to talk about it. And it's not just, I think... I think, you know, we've gotten a lot better about talking about, like, anxiety and depression, but, you know, th- there's other things out there that I still think actually have a bit more of a stigma. You know, I can sort of tell, you know, if I'm, like, in, like, social situations and I start talking about my history with, like, eating disorders, and you can see people kind of, like, tense up a bit. They feel, like, a bit awkward. Mm. So they don't know what to, like, I'm fine now, but, I like, they. you can tell they don't know what to say. When you start it's- talking about... Less well-known, you know, like you said about borderline personality disorder, schizophrenia, and, you know, some of the other ones as well. Like, it's still still that kind of, you don't know how to navigate. People don't know how to navigate that conversation because it's not being had as often, I think.
0: I think part of it is also there is... Uh, A difficulty in finding the right way to say something. We don't want to upset someone. You know, I'm not going to turn around to someone and be like, tell me your mental story. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't need that. But if someone brings it up, I I feel like I can have a discussion with them. Because sometimes it's difficult to have that discussion. I want to be honest with them. So I might say, you know, I'm glad that you're doing well. This is not something I'm capable of discussing right now for my own reasons. Um, Perhaps we could discuss something else. Or I might go, well, how would you like me to approach this? Do you want me to just, you know, pat you on the back, make certain you know that I'm really proud of you for doing this? Because I am. Or are you more interested in me, you know, making certain that you don't fall into the pitfalls that cause a triggering event or something? Like, Like, talk to me so I know the best way that I can work with you. And not oh, everybody wants to do that.
1: Sometimes it's about listening. Just, that's, that's just listening. And Absolutely. you don't have to say anything.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you should at least show that you are listening well, yeah, in some I'm, way. I don't, I don't mean <laughs> that, yeah. That's kind of important.
1: That's going to help. You know, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's Copper has said something and it's actually struck a, a chord with me and it's specifically. And a few people in chat. Oh. Yeah. And, and specifically, something you have said as well, my dear. We've, um, when I first came over to this country, the reason why I know so much about it is I had a mental breakdown when I came over and I actually had first responders. I'm not so. For certain, if you're aware of what a first responder is. Mm. But um, I went to the doctors because I was speaking with my husband. Like, I've I've reached it. I don't know anymore. And we went to the doctors and I said, look, something's really wrong. I am not doing well. I am hyper suicidal. Let's talk. Because I'm used to that culture from America. Mm. So I come in and I sit down with them. I come home 20 minutes later. There is a knock on my door from the mental health team. They are sitting there with me, talking to me about what options are available, what groups they have available, places that I could go if I need to feel safe. They had pamphlets and everything else they could possibly do 20 minutes after I got home because I was listed as critical. That was a very first responder thing. Now, everything after that was a load of BS. (laughs) But that first responder thing was really nice. Um, So don't be a he- don't hesitate to talk to someone in particular like your gp in america there's different you can pick up a phone and you can dial a number and 9 times out of 10 there's someone you can talk to or just shoot the stuff with but yeah. you know don't let your own self get in the way and think that you can't say something yeah.
1: so we we, we... I, I'm not saying we're going to topic, not, But we are kind of veering topic, a little bit from, from it. I
0: want to encourage people to stand up for and their I, mental I, health.
1: All of this is definitely worth talking about. I don't, I don't want to say, that, but let's let's move on a little bit to to the next point we 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 want to talk about, which is what level of stress in a in a high pressure situation or in any kind of job, any kind of working environment is normal. Yeah.
2: So that's a very interesting point because I have actually just I've just finished this week my course of CBT sessions when so, for anybody who doesn't know what that is it's cognitive behavioral therapy so I was referred to completing that um those sessions by my GP and it has helped me a great deal I've got a whole notepad of things that I've written which I'm sure I'll probably reiterate some of the points one of the things that came from that was understand what what's normal don't always associate sort of everything with like mental health it makes me feel worse you know if I'm like not having a great sleep I I was talking about having like like really bad like vivid dreams and stuff and it was like it's fine like it's okay and like that like some small doses of stress are actually they're they're good you know like Josie you said that you 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 know you thrive in stressful situations so I just wanted to give a shout out to the best book I have probably ever read And it's this one, The Stress Solution, by this guy, this dude. He's on TV sometimes, but he's a GP, and fantastic book. It's changed my mindset so much. So he talks about what the good effects of short-term stress is, like you'll raise blood pressure in the short-term transports more blood to your brain so you can think quicker. It's a a fight-or-flight response, Mm -hmm. right? What's the long-term harmful effect of that? chronic high blood pressure isn't it so you know risk of many diseases heart disease and stroke and like that there's quite a few different examples so having small doses of those is like normal but if you let it build up then it's gonna it's gonna lead to that burnout which is essentially what happened to me so I had so much stress piling up on my plate and that takes me to sort of like, in recruitment, it's pretty, for anyone who doesn't know, it tends to be quite KPI driven. Again, at Manhattan Partners, it's not. My targets are like, they're, they're pretty simple. They're just to be like promoters, basically, which is fantastic. But in a lot of recruitment companies, it's you've got to do X number of calls, their clients, X number of candidates, this many send outs, this many people added to the system, and I think there's like 10 different kinds that you're supposed to do like in a month, 10 or 12. And every day you break those down and one day you get behind on them and you stress. And then the next day you are even more behind and you have like monthly reviews. And I, I literally used to feel sick before my reviews because I thought I'd done an awful job because they were so unachievable that nobody ever really got them anyway. But I kind of be told that, not doing good, like a good enough job for it despite working like really long I hours so I think that I level like of that kind working. of
0: of goal setting I'd, I'd rather have really I'd rather common. have a common goal that people can achieve I yeah. I'm a firm believer in the dopamine hit to-do list okay yeah. which is every time you tick you've accomplished some step or some goal on your to-do list you get a tiny hit of dopamine. It's, it's basically the gamification of work. It's what you see inside yeah. of achievement and things inside of games, those tiny little dopamine hits that we get as gamers as well. I believe in that because you're more encouraged to be yeah. successful if you're seeing success happening, if you're seeing progress. If instead you're working in um, a deficit yeah. and always yeah. working in a deficit, it's not healthy. It doesn't sound right to me. <laughs> it hasn't. Sorry, shot Vol- Schra- Vol-
1: in chat has just said, looks oh, at to-do list yeah. size. Looks at to-do list <laughs> size.
0: <laughs> I will tell you this. If you find yourself doing to-do lists and you are sighing at it, you've got the
2: wrong things on your to-do list. In you've fact, got. shrink it down. Even I more. love a list. I love a weekend <laughs> list. You know, I make one of like all the errands that I've got to, got to do on a weekend on my little pink thing. Oh, I love it. That I love really that- that really helps because, I don't know, have you heard of the carrot and stick analogy? I know yeah. about carrots. I know about sticks. <laughs> you what know analogy me? in particular you're referring to? Well, it's just, it's just basically like a motivational thing that I got taught in training. And it's essentially like people are either motivated by the carrot or motivated by the stick. So the stick is or hitting nice. you and you're running because you're, I don't know. It's kind of, it's pretty crude to be honest, but <laughs> do you know what I mean? So you're kind of, there's people out there who are scared by, like, let's just imagine it's like a little like rabbit or something and it wants, you know, the carrot, I suppose. And so, yeah, so the stick is people that are motivated by like failure. You know, they're scared if I, if I don't do this and you know really gets them into gets them into gear to like working really hard, not necessarily a negative thing. But there's people who are like more carrots. So that's, you know, you dangle some sort of like reward or achievement in front of them and they, they go at it. That's what I do. I have, I have carrot, not physical carrots, but like little sticky I don't know. I like the idea of you going, you know what? You can only see this side so we don't know what's going on behind the screen. I'm I, I just... only
0: say that because I actually have carrots <laughs> from my dinner because I've been eating raw carrots today. I'll tell you what, so...
1: our, our guinea pigs are motivated by carrots. Oh, they really are. (laughs)
0: There you go. (laughs) But yeah, I I get what you're saying. You know, for some people, the stress is the stick. For some people, it's the reward. I know, for example, I know some people who actually will procrastinate getting to the end of a project, not in Mm. the process or the start, because the idea of it finishing scares them. Mm. And to them, that is not a reward. A project being done is uncertainty going back to what chris was saying earlier you know that that uncertainty is the stress so for them the end of a project is horrible for someone else the end of a project is a proper milestone break out the champagne let's celebrate and then for other people it's just eh, okay so it's over what's next and it's finding the thing that works best for you and acknowledging that that's what works best for you because i think like i said Society can blanket and say everyone should work this way. Everyone should follow this particular business methodology because the CEO read it in some seminars, so everybody should have a carrot. Well, the carrot's not going to work for everybody. The stick's not going to work for everybody. And heck, cake might not even work for everybody, which just seems like a sacrilegious thing to me. There's I a to-do to- list
1: chat going on in uh, in chat at the moment, and uh, Yusuf has just said, "I tend to prioritize when I get to this level of to-do lists that they can't, you know, you can never get to the end of. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just too there's just too much to do, so prioritizing and limiting yeah. it can help. Which is exactly yeah. what I do with I- all of my to-do lists. So, unless it's a really simple thing like need to cut the hedge outside, you know, I need to go to the shop and get milk. You know, simple things. If it's work related, I have to prioritize because work's never yeah. finished. Ever.
0: The thing that uh, the, well, yeah, ain't that the truth? I think the thing that is also important is you have to forgive yourself. Yeah. If you get to a day and you can't get your to-do list done, don't immediately turn around and beat yourself for it because that actually adds a level of stress. Yep. Um, yeah. I used to be the kind that ate that. I loved having that that pressure to that extreme. I now know that I need the balance. There's a certain way that I need my stress fed to me in order to be incredibly productive. Um, but when it comes down to it, I had to learn to say to myself, you know what? That's okay. Today? No, that 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 isn't going to work today. Instead, what I'm going to do is this. And Instead of sitting and spending my time uh, almost obsessively thinking about how I didn't accomplish the goal or the to-do list I set out for myself, I went, it didn't work today. Why? How can yeah. I change that? So I started taking a much more proactive approach to dealing with that. Because if I spend all my time wallowing in how much I didn't accomplish, I start doing a spiral for depression. Instead, yeah. if I sit there and I say, you know, I didn't accomplish that today. Why? Why? Well, in my case, there might have been a health reason, um, or there might have been some mitigating factor that I had zero control over. Because I have zero control over whether my clients want me to get the work on time or not, (laughs) or you know things like that. Or did I misplan this? Because I'm still learning. Maybe I should have broken this down a bit more. And by taking a proactive approach to it, I see that there's a light at the end of a tunnel, for lack of a better phrase. I really hate that phrase because I. I think it 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 derails from the beautifulness of what a tunnel can be.
1: Got some um, golden nuggets going on in chat today. I swear, everyone loves it. Loves a bit of mental health. Um,
2: we do. So it's such an important awesome topic. Copperbeard has yeah. just
1: said, "Think of what you managed to do, and not what you did not do."
2: I think that's yeah, really, really good point. I think actually having, I mm. started doing have, have a bit of like consolidation time. So this is one of the things I wanted to say about, but. He's preempted it. Sorry, whoever put in that question. Copper beardy, it was. Copper beardy. Copper beardy. Thank you for that. It's one of the things that I wanted to talk about is what actually prevents burnout. So it's actually understanding that you are a fantastic human being and you've probably got a lot done that day that you actually don't realize so sometimes taking a few minutes at the end of the day to have a little bit of like consolidation time and think about I use like a nice little day planner thing which is split into sections which I'm not going to show you too much because that's just stuff written on it Got morning afternoon confidential carpet, little carpet <laughs> I set my I'm just I'm just smiling <laughs> <laughs> might be all the recruiters looking at this I don't know I'm just kidding yeah. then I've got priority tasks and like admin tasks so because I write stuff on there like as I go so first of all it helps me with my organization I take things off as I go and I can look at that at the end of the day and just be like holy hell I got all that done in like eight hours I'm fantastic this is great I feel so much better and 99% of the time there's still stuff left over that I then put onto the next day's planner and that's fine it's natural that has helped me so much and like I said is that I no longer work to like a KPI thing I'm not told I have to do so massive testament to how the directors run this company because it's not like any other that I've seen before and this is why I joined is that they're not telling me that if you've not done 20 calls today you you've failed like what like what have you done but there's a lot of companies out there that are like that because they let me I've now found this is what has helped my mental health so much is finding a sense of purpose. You know, you can put so many like tangible things like meditate, yoga, medicate as well, all these sorts of things. But I think the thing that has truly made such a difference is finding a purpose, being able to work in a way that I love and I can make a difference. I I
0: have to, I have to piggyback right on that. (laughs) Um, I I live in the philosophy that the, and this works for me, it might work for someone, but it's not going to work for everyone. I live in the mental state of needing to balance out entertainment and purpose. If I find myself sitting there going, I have no book to read that interests me, no television show that I care to watch, no movie I wish to do, no game I wish to play. I immediately divert my attention to something that has purpose and Mm. purpose can be defined as anything from working on a task on a project to learning a new skill set or anything else, because it, to me, that has purpose to it. It's not just a frivolous amount of relaxation or, you know, something else like that. It has purpose. And when I find myself mentally like falling behind on the purpose side and I'm slowly going, uh I then move over to something that has a sort of entertainment value to it and by doing that break i have discovered that i don't actually work eight hour days so to speak i will section off something like 12 hours of my day and in between that i will do a hardcore amount of work on a particular task for like an hour two hours until i find myself going i'll take a break you know i might turn to my husband have a discussion get up have a cup of tea walk the puppies uh, watch a youtube video or i might log into a game and play a dungeon yeah by the time i've done that and this has actually happened to me very very recently because i'm on a couple of really big projects right now i found myself stuck and I could not figure out how to get past a particular problem. And I went, I, I can't do anymore. I just, I just, I was at that frustration point, not a burnout, but just a high ugh, frustration mm-hmm. point. And I just put it down. I went, that's it. I need to go kill something. So grabbed a couple friends, went into a dungeon, midway through the dungeon, I had the epiphany and I went, ah, so I'm like, great. Now the dungeon's done. Got to go back to work, guys. Love you. And I was right <laughs> back in it because I had the answer because I was no longer consciously trying to um, force me to solve it. It was just percolating in the back of my brain. So having something with purpose and that being the thing that you focus on and then balancing it out with something that, for lack of a better term, is just pure entertainment and mindlessness can actually help stop a lot of the burnout as well. But I also find I'm insanely productive when I do this. Yeah, Insanely productive. Something that might take me a 40-hour project, I can actually break down to about 30, 36, yeah. Maybe even a little bit less, probably about 30 to 32 hours in a project because my focus is so crystal in those moments of purpose.
1: That's yeah. that's how I that's how I structure my day. I mean, I said I don't we, I've had bouts of uh of burnout and I've had bouts of depression and feeling, you know, feeling less than, you know, I I currently do at the moment, you know, for feeling less about myself rather, uh, which I, I I still can't Pin on depression, if you know what I mean. I just, I just don't feel as good and as as egotistical, I suppose, as I normally do. It's maybe not the right word <laughs> ego, I don't doesn't know.
0: feel egotistical. You know what
1: I mean. I don't oh, feel. I don't feel it on form. Every um but the way that I, I structure my work is I have a, I created a spreadsheet a few years ago that's just every day, I've got a load of columns on it, and I, I put formulas into it because I'm a programmer, this is what we do. I put formulas into it that allow me to put in a start and an end time and then a task, and I do that, and I just do that granular each day because I've only got six or seven tasks that I might work on within a day, so there's plenty of room on this spreadsheet. And then it works out how much time for each day that I've I've worked and then adds it all together at the end, so I can I can I don't work seven and a half hour straight days. I haven't done for a long, long time, but I'm very, very productive because exactly what Josie just said. The way that I structure my day is around me and around right. If I need to have a break or I need to have a two hour lunch today, I'll go and do it. Or if I need to pillow
0: day or your guinea pig need love, it
1: doesn't happen very often at the moment, especially when I've got lots of work on and I'm quite focused. But if I do need to play a game, I will, and I don't feel guilty about it. I, and if anyone that's, tries to um, make me feel guilty about it i'd just okay. give them the spreadsheet and say i didn't charge yeah. you <laughs> well, it wasn't part <laughs> of my day so leave me alone well,
2: that does come with like being like your own boss as well you know yeah. if you you work for a pretty corporate company and you're being like you know you're being like micromanaged it's, it's practically impossible to do these things there I, are I some have people who drive
0: some micromanagement and some people who don't
2: I think as a grad, um, right? So right. you know, as a grad, you you know you you're new into the work world, and you don't you don't know what to expect. You don't even really know what your rights are. You know, like some things definitely a little bit shady. You know, around like some of the sick day stuff. Anyway, that that like we said, story for another day. Mm. But I think sometimes like you don't what like I always ask myself like, why didn't I just? I was so unhappy. Why didn't I leave sooner? And I Confidence. think it had to take it. I had a lack of confidence, which, you know, I always, I, I always, always have. And I think anyone who knows me does know that I'm, I'm pretty brave. So I don't, you know, looking back, I don't really know. And I think I was just, like you said, the un- uncertainty, it's, it's really, really scary. So I guess like something that I really want to give advice out to people is like 100% know your worth. And if it's that nothing is worse than, no, sorry, nothing is worth you losing your mind or your mental health over because so it's so hard true. to go back. So hard A to go back. There statement. Yeah, there are places out there that will that will take you for you know they'll treat you as you are worth do you know what I mean so I think no matter what industry you work in I think you know if you're a recruiter with experience I think you're probably safe to say that you you are in reasonable demand as a developer you're in pretty high demand as Chris probably knows and Josie as well but I think no matter what no matter what industry you're in I think there's you know Honestly, just just ask yourself the question. Have those conversations with like managers, which you know I I have had like in the past that actually didn't really amount to anything, and I think that's part of the reason I decided you know it's time to go. But you know my my time's kind of done here. I think you know I've ended up somewhere where I I took the plunge. It was absolutely I changed jobs during lockdown. Mm. Like who does that? Insane, but best a lot of
1: people in fact, at the moment. They've had to. <laughs> a in lot some of cases, people have had to but... change jobs, but yeah, out of choice, but... it's different, you know. Out of yeah,
2: course, it is. I mean, like who? You know, I I did this all out of choice, and it was a it was a really big jump to make. But like I had had the faith, and it's stood me like a world of good because I work with you know like complete autonomy in my day almost just like you to do like you're your own boss I still have bosses but I still work to you know the ways that I I want and it works well for me they say to me you know if you want to take an extra half hour whatever over lunch to exercise that really helps my mental health right they said do it like it's absolutely fine you don't even have to like make up the time but you know previous jobs I would have had to have like two promotions to get that three times a week you know um, there,
0: there's, there's different values and it comes from, I, yeah. it comes from, uh, we live in a very skewed society where the companies that have been around for a very, very long time can sometimes be really, really hard to change because yeah. they are the tankers of the ocean yeah. that if you need them to turn around, they're going to take a long time to move <laughs> and change. But yeah. I want to also point out what Voltschrath has said and lead on to that with what Yusuf has also pointed out. Cause Voltschrath has said not feeling guilty for taking some time for yourself is an important skill. Skill in itself. And it really is. Because when you feel like one of the most difficult things with imposter syndrome is believing that you're allowed to have time. Yeah. And allowed to put down tools, so to speak. And then you has, yes. Oh my gosh, failures like. I can't yeah. even get to tell you just, how many times I fail when trying just to do watch one of my dev my streams and you see
1: how much of a failure I am even though I come actually, across like a confident person I'm failing all the time but I'm learning from those failures as well. The,
0: the best thing you can ever see there is actually a clip of this that someone has done from our show where Chris makes a comment and all of a sudden he starts shrinking further and further and further, <laughs> further down he basically threw a, a temper tantrum like a little taller it was so adorable and so perfect but the thing is it made sense from where he was at because like I don't want to do this anymore but i'm like well this is how it goes point is though (laughs) yusuf has also added i left my first ever deb job on an industrial placement because my mental health shattered i was completely taken advantage of and suffered as a result yeah I think that is unfortunately the the lesson most of us have to go through. It's almost not like someone is going to teach you to prevent that. It's almost like you have to experience it to be one in the field because unfortunately there are companies and I know of one right off the top of my head and I'm not going to name names, but because of the way that they work There are people who care about their jobs and the people they work with in the company and they give and they give and they give. And it's become de facto now that they give anywhere between 80 to 90 hours a week of their time to the company. And if they ever don't, all of a sudden they're not doing their job. Don't let it become an industry standard.
1: They're not a team player anymore.
0: Exactly, oh, yeah. and there are companies that will suck you dry. Mm-hmm. Don't let them.
1: I was, I was, I was, um, I was actually speaking to, uh, I won't go into why, but I was speaking to Perul's uh, one of Perul's colleagues. I think your boss potentially yeah. today. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't like to use the term boss. I don't like that word, but you know what I mean. She, she runs yeah. the company. She's, she's a partner in the company. Yeah. So, okay. um, yeah. and we was, I was saying, saying exactly that. It's, it's difficult to, um, I kind of got lost then. <laughs> brain just went. Just whatever my point was is just gone.
0: Well, we're almost at the BYOM. So, do you have anything <laughs> you want to say before we head into the BYOM?
2: Or we can do it and come back if it comes back to you. <laughs> yeah. What me?
1: No, no. I've yeah. no. My brain just went. Nope. Sorry, can't let, remember.
2: Like a it's like a brain fart where it comes and it goes. Absolutely, can't. Absolutely. I- I've got no
1: idea what I was going <laughs> to mention chief um, yeah. boss for, but it was well, something to do with what you said, but anyway. Um, but I- what
2: we're going to do is we're going
0: to actually get to this point where we're going to have to have you back.
1: Yes. We yes. are
0: at sort of a stopping point because otherwise we can go on forever and ever and ever, and instead, what I'm going to say is we've reached that point where we now do what we call the BYOM. This is our sort of return or are counter to the rtfm where you are literally told go out and learn on your own by reading the manual this time we're going to bring you the manual and the things that we have learned regardless of what it may have been this week is there anything that you learned this week chris that you feel like sharing with the class
2: i i,
1: I didn't prepare this week at all. <laughs> i all. usually have a little post it or a
2: series <sighs> <laughs>
1: I've, 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 look hello I've, I've done everything for the podcast this week i've been very very prudent in the po- in the pre-work i just have forgot I about the B-Y-O-M. yes you have
0: i have been so busy and you've totally stepped on that so many things i'll, I'll okay.
1: let you guys and i'll try and think of one <laughs> while okay. you answer
0: for me um i decided to finally take the plunge and go into docker for development <gasps> yeah so i do a lot of wordpress development uh because a lot of my clients work in wordpress and so my job is to do a lot of things for them be it theme or plugin or any kind of other development that goes with it and i had many years ago a really horrible situation with Docker where it basically bricked my system yeah <laughs> So I have always been very, very hesitant. I understand it. I get its purpose. I get its point. But I decided to give it another shot and see what I could do with it. And not only have I started pretty much migrating everything that I need to into Docker containers for development, but I'm also quite pleased that several of the tools that I actually use for development are... uh, capable of doing a lot of the work for me in a docker container so i want to give a little heads up to people who might be in the wordpress community or people who might work in docker and be like but i can't get me files up because <laughs> docker is all like anti you know, sftp and stuff um it, it it can be a pain with things like that and if you want to make it really simple just use dp migrate pro from delicious brains in fact just worship the ground delicious brains welcome I love them so I, they're a bit like my love of get Crack. I just tried end. to set
1: up a, a, a when I was looking at headless WordPress I tried to set up a Docker container myself for a completely Dockerized um, WordPress deployment and I ran mm-hmm. into a problem and I can't remember what it was now but it was a killer and I couldn't get past it there was a particular thing that stopped me doing it related to WordPress specifically. Um, It could have been that the volume, I couldn't map volumes properly, which is something to do with files and uploads. That might have been it, actually, uploading files and applying... Plugins and yeah, things like that.
0: The, the uploads and the things like that. Yeah, there's a big, big thing with that because WordPress uses, you know, sort of FTPS, FTP sort of connections and you can do volumes. And if you want to have a plugin, et cetera, you can map a volume very easily to like your local PC and just extract everything. But that's just extra pain in the butt work. Instead, the way that I have actually ended up working it is my local PC ends up becoming staging. Mm-hmm. which allows me to do that in between process between production and dev and i have a very specific site that is dev oriented which allows me to do all the stuff that i need to do and then i pull it into the docker and using certain tools and look let's into, just say that it works beautiful look into multi-stage
1: docker containers because that might solve the problem as well you can actually have multiple different stages that uh are... Uh, instance at different points in time. We'll I go can. into that technical detail. We'll, we'll, later we'll time,
0: go into but... all that stuff later. But <laughs> I will tell you, the thing that made me fall in love with Docker was simply the fact that I could. I'm a Vi girl. I always will be. I don't think that's ever going to change, no matter how much people want me to be like Vim or Emacs. Good night, everybody. We'll see you Vi later. Girl. See you next week. Bye
1: bye. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the thing is, Vi. it's one of those things I learned on Vi. But, you know, I love the fact that I can actually have it pre-included in the actual container with through the YAML. And,
2: like, I'm a happy girl. I'm just – I'm happy. Just so everyone knows, my mind was just blown because I'm not a dev. <laughs> so <laughs>
1: – <laughs> Well, we're those... getting a bit geeky here. We, your, yeah, your BYOM doesn't have like to be technical. Smile,
2: away. Smile away. No, because <laughs> – well, I'm, I'm a beginner coder. So, obviously, working in tech recruitment piqued my interest in that. So, mm. I will – Look into that a little bit more. So thank you for that, Josie. I don't know, maybe it might end up a back end dev one day, but I think my, I mean, not a biggest learn, like just of this week is just like a massive realization of that. I think one thing that companies can do to look after their mental health of their employees is not just do VA's and puppies in the office. When even though that that is a great idea, by the way, Julie and John, if you're listening. Um, is <laughs> allowing they are listening I know they are Hi. <laughs> so it's it genuinely for me has been flexible and remote working and allowing it mm. so that's not saying that we are getting rid of an office and you know we're never going to have that I really I miss the human interaction but for me I've not slept with an alarm on for four months
1: Yeah, I've, I can't remember the last time I had an alarm I don't
2: sleep, well, because you went for yourself, Chris. I don't sleep with an alarm on, right? My body naturally wakes me when it's ready. And oh my gosh, like in the, I've gone down from, I used to have five cups of coffee a day. I now have two a week, two or three a week. I was an addict. yep, yeah, that's steep of a decline. And do you know why? Because I can wake up when I want. I wake up anytime between 6.30 to 8 o'clock and I start my day when I want. I eat my lunch when I'm hungry and that, and not having like people around me all the time is just it's fantastic. So companies should make this. Everyone should make it a thing moving forwards and not just for there's, covid.
1: In the in the remote working community there's something called um or there's a there's a movement um that is encouraged in all companies that we try and work uh, work with is called remote first. If a company can think about their remote workers first, and not just dismiss them because they're not in front of them, and not just because you know not think automatically think that they're not doing work because they're remote, that would make the world a much nicer place. Or the work, the world of work.
2: I agree. Yeah.
1: Remote first, and don't just allow remote working. Encourage
2: Encourage
1: remote working.
0: Please please, if you're going to do this and you're having people in a secure way work off a VPN, please make certain that you have enough licenses for everybody, please. Don't be that company that sends home 30 people and only has four licenses. Okay. All right.
1: Um, So, my BYM... I'm speaking from
0: experience. I have
1: have a BYM. I just remembered, I've been doing a lot of work with NordJS over the last few Ah. weeks. I've been putting this bot together. Um, I have never worked with Pure JavaScript, which is what Node... Well, Node.js is kind of a hybrid of pure kind of old school JavaScript and some newer concepts in ESM mm-hmm. 2020, which is like the most modern version of JavaScript. Um, it's kind of a mishmash. It's kind of hashed together, and some bits work and some bits don't. But I've never written... You know me in my test-driven development. I absolutely oh, love yeah. test-driven development. I do it for everything. Um I've really got into it and I really got into a framework called Jasmine which is being, is used in Angular. Uh, it comes kind of out uh, as part of the Angular um, ecosystem. But anyway, I started using Jasmine in PureJS and I learned a lot about Jasmine. The main thing that I learned is jasmine.createSpy. Now, it's just a method, but it allows you to create a method, or a, an object, because I'm going to have to give you some context here, and it's going to get deep. I'm sorry. But in in JavaScript, we don't create objects. We create prototypes. And prototypes are, they look like objects, but one object can be equal to a different object if it's got the same properties on it. I don't know. That'll make sense to some people listening, but others it may not. So basically... When you create an object with jasmine.createSpy, you can create an object that looks like another object without actually instantiating it, and you can spy on and therefore mock up particular properties very very quickly and easily with a one-liner and it's just really nice and I learned about that this uh, over the last few weeks and I'm using it quite extensively now so it's it's great Jasmine's a good little framework anyway to get into because it's used oh. quite a lot of places but it's uh, it's great for for mocking and test driven development and that kind of thing so anyway that was my beyond. how long have you
0: so, been over? using Jasmine
1: well I've been using it for uh when was I over in Leeds I did some work with Jasmine over in Leeds six years ago so I've been using it for about six years, but not in anger, Um or certainly <laughs> not with pure JavaScript. It was with TypeScript previously. So
0: I, I find it interesting. I mean, the first introduction I really had into uh, test driven stuff was cucumber and gherkin. So yeah, I love the names that we have in our world. Testing, in- mocha, chai. Yeah. It, it, Morca, however i yeah. i'll tell you something as I a recruiter Mulca, the I thing Fenoid. i have to say is if someone gives you a huge list and says which one of these are pokemon i <laughs> hope you know because <laughs> yeah. we have so many different languages but we are at the end of our show and otherwise again we will continue going and going and going. <laughs> massive massive thank you to all of you in twitch chat who have been incredibly vocal i will tell you some of the best alarms that you can have are dogs i have two sigma and bell and sigma will guarantee get us both my husband and i up at exactly the wrong time which is like two minutes before the alarm goes off for my husband because he needs the alarm me i get to do the thing that chris does but yes i agree with you guys puppies are great so Thank you to you in Twitch chat for your amazing contributions. Thank you to everyone listening in the future in the podcast. And thank you, Perel. You are amazing. And you need to come back.
2: I will. I would would absolutely love to come back. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I've really, really enjoyed it. Much to think about. Lots of you. do, I think, do you uh,
0: want to anything for yourself, your, your company that you're so proud of, yourself even yeah. as a recruiter, or any I little
1: mean, projects? If you're working on any, coding yeah, projects anything. that are open source, you can do that. I with.
2: will. I will bring you some more deets on my projects on the next one. I okay. think I'm very early in my JavaScript, but um, if anyone wants to connect with me on LinkedIn, I am LinkedIn.com forward slash The Coding Recruiter. One. Someone has the original. <laughs> Do you know how annoyed I was that somebody had forward slash the Coding Recruiter? And I was like, no, you're not. <laughs> that was the last time you looked at JavaScript. <laughs> so I had to take the one. So I am the Coding Recruiter one on LinkedIn. Please connect with me. I'm always up for a chat. Codes and stuff, mental health stuff. I'm genuinely always here to help. Doesn't matter if it's on a weekend. Never switch off, which is bad. But yeah, that is bad. Um, it and is I- very bad. You, you still have to is take it? time for yourself. Is in, like I'm on like LinkedIn messages? You know, it's just another form of you, like. You know what content. it is?
0: You're like me. It's the social interaction.
2: You like know. people. You like to just talk I'm to people. My friends, you know, I like making I friends. Know. But I'm on there, so everyone, please come and be my friend on LinkedIn. I would really love that, and you can follow my company that I work for my company, I said that like I own it, Manhattan Partners, we are a fantastic bunch, we do some great things together, we also do you know other like little like podcasts and webinars and you'll see some events that I've shared and we're doing one on diversity and inclusion so that's a panel event on the 13th of August so if you could put the link for that as well when you put this podcast out we would absolutely love if some more of you could join because it's a key topic in the tech community at the moment so that's all the pin page for me thanks for letting me do a bit of shameless promo
1: <laughs> it's fine it's not shameless when we ask you to do it
2: Yay! <laughs> well it, i mean i don't know
0: we're, we're kind of shameless with our I'm self-promotion i gonna say we're just I about know, to be just I as know. shameless ourselves <laughs> so don't...
1: (laughs) Don't you worry about it. So, yes, you can visit our website on www.dnistream.live where you can get links to all our social media channels, uh, all of our podcasts, uh, platforms. There's millions of them now. I've lost track of how many places we've got the podcasts on. And you can also use it to contact us for any reason whatsoever if you've got a comment, if you've got a question. If you want to be a guest on the show or you've got any kind of suggestions for topics, we're always open to uh, communication. You can get all of us on uh, uh, Twitter for that as well or just drop us a message in Twitch. I'm always on, maybe, sometimes. Most of the time, I'm always on. And don't forget to follow our Twitch channel as well. If you're new, if you're you're watching for the first time, we do this every Thursday, so um, get following right now. Right now or else.
0: Yep. And lastly, the audio version of our podcast and the video version of our podcast will actually be published to other channels that you'll be able to access at 7 a.m. British time on Mondays. We have made this decision. We hope it will allow us to have a bit of a weekend and still get everything out to everybody in time. Now, we hope to see you all next week, Thursday, 7 p.m., live here on twitch.tv slash stream. All that's left is to say goodbye. So goodbye to Chris. Goodbye. Goodbye, Perel. Bye. Thanks for having me. Goodbye to all of you amazing people in Twitch land and in the future podcasts and YouTube lands. Bye-bye.
1: Bye.